you can really lose track of everything. If you get too too tied into work, work is good, you should enjoy it. But but if you're not enjoying life and you're not having fun at work, you probably need to do something else. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here at Capital Girl City Center with my guest, David Reed. Hello. Chief Marketing Officer at National Oil Well Varco. Glad you could make it today, David. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And before we get into it, I wanted to remind everyone to please support the show by leaving a simple review in iTunes. So before we actually get into your current role at NOV, kind of let's take a step back and where'd you get started in the industry? When I grew up in Aberdeen, so Mm -hmm. we had oil and gas all around us. The first exposure was summer jobs. So I worked, I was actually in college and did temp work, which was a great way to make money. Um, I'd actually left high school, was working in architecture, doing part-time college work, and then uh, found out that you could make more money being over in the oil and gas business. So I did drafting at BP, did some printing work for them as well. And uh, it all, when you're doing architectural work, it's pretty easy to work in that space and um, did not like it. No? thought it was miserable. So <laughs> that doesn't really work, does it? No, it doesn't. That's a great story. Um, no, I just, <laughs> I just wasn't, I wasn't drawn in at all. And so I don't know why. I guess at that time it was maybe a miserable job or maybe I was a miserable person, but I wasn't really interested. I had lots of other things on my mind that I wanted to do, but it was good money. So I started with that. And then I kind of went to the States, did some architectural work in California. My wife's from there. Mm-hmm. Convinced her to go back to Scotland. Californians in Scotland, that's a tough move. So that's, <laughs> I was going to say, really nice weather to <laughs> yeah. really cold. And she, she'd worked around the movie business and music. And so, you know, none of that. In fact, everyone in Aberdeen just assumed she was lying. She'd tell these <laughs> stories. They'd be like, you'd see the look on their face and they'd go, yeah, don't tell those stories. <laughs> They're not welcome here. People people don't believe you. Nobody's <laughs> ever heard of anything like that. So we went back. I did a little bit of architecture for a company after working in California, and they seemed like the wildest guys in town. And um, within two weeks of designing a nightclub in a church, an old church. What? Oh, an old church. Okay. An old church. <laughs> was it wasn't like-, like a weird thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So pretty much the, the club was called the Ministry of Sin. So, you know, I wasn't very popular around town with certain people. (laughs) I guess Um, not. (laughs) But it was, uh, so I did this design and they kind of looked at it and went, this this isn't good. You're you're out there. It was all dance floor and they were older guys. I was younger at the time. And uh, they, yeah, they let me go after two weeks. So I was a bit confused about life and what happens next when I thought I was probably good at this and I'm not that good at it. But you didn't like it anyway. 
Didn't like what? You didn't like that anyway, right? The architecture part? Or was it just um, the BP drafting I, thing that really... BP drafting I didn't like. Architecture I thought I would like, but it continued to not be good for me. Yeah, I kept doing it and um, I had a, a general feel of how I wanted things to be. And when you're young in architecture, that's irrelevant. <laughs> no one really cares because you're new and you're starting. So I didn't do very well with that. Uh, I worked briefly, well, for a year at Baker Hughes. So a friend of mine uh, suggested that I come back to the oil field, and I wasn't that engaged then either. But it was okay. I mean, it was. I had a young six six month old child and liked feeding her and clothing, and so that was good. And then I met. I actually in college studied. My final thesis was on uh, the construction in London, which was built by American companies, surprisingly. And so I looked at the difference of how American companies were looking at large construction and complex construction, and then how that integrated compared to British companies who who didn't really integrate very well. And so it was a cost benefit to have American companies come in and do that. And so I was telling someone this story. It was actually a person who worked at Varco one night, and he was an American struggling with working with Scottish workforce. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, he offered me a job. And said, you want to work here? And I'd done QA. So I said, yeah, sure. I've done QA. I'll be happy to help you. And uh, he said, no, I'd, I'd like you to work in the workshop, which was a really strange choice for my background. There was nothing that said I should have been there. So I did. And I went for, I think I thought I'd work there maybe a month or two. Mm-hmm. And um, one month led to two to three to, to uh, 26 years. Oh, wow. Here I am. so no it was uh varco was was a californian company which helped i I mean they had a very different view of how to think about people and work which was not necessarily oil field but it was very californian yeah and um their trust of people which turned out to really be true of oil field over time but but at the time i was just shocked to see how much they cared about people and were very focused on personal happiness which i had experienced in california before and uh, when you come from Scotland, that that doesn't come up. You just be glad you got a job and do your job, and you know it's not a normal conversation. But because I'd studied that and how the work environment works and how motivation of people works and how you can get people to work better if you if you align them better, uh, it all made sense to me. So they had fantastic leaders. Once the first when the chairman came to speak at the workshop, for me that was a big change. When I saw the things that he said, we were in a downturn. I was really motivated by the way he talked and the way he led and and connected with his workforce. Back in the eighties, it was no. This was, was early nineties, so yeah. we were going okay. through some harder times, but not wasn't the eighties. They'd already gone through all of that. And in fact, Barco's experience of the eighties was really that they had the top drive that came around and saved the company. So they'd already lived through this okay. experience of yeah. bringing technology, and and they they were very technology focused. I recently got to, we're working on a documentary and got to go back and find the old CEO and ask him, where did all of that come from? Because it was so different. And they weren't naturally that way. They just seemed like they were they were pro- very progressive, but they were just regular engineers. And um, they weren't really tuned into people. So I said, how, how did that happen? They apparently had a consultant in the 70s that had helped them. Huh. And help them think about it. What he said was, we have a a moral responsibility to grow the company. So even with technology, 
because I was very confused earlier because I loved the technology, the big robots we were making and the giant machines were all fascinating. And so, but they did seem to care about the people and they would always say this technology is great, but the reason we do this is because we have a moral obligation to, to grow the company. Huh. And so it was the, there was a connection with people was always their drive. And I'd never seen that before, but I really liked it. They were very pro uh, the people in the company. So that that was what attracted me more than anything, and they they saw things in me that that I was shocked about. I mean, within in my third year, I'd gone on a rig to design, sorry, to fit equipment to des- for future sale, and I'd actually made another design. And when they discovered this, they immediately moved me to California to work in the pipe handling business. So, so how long did you do that for? The pipe handling? Yeah, three years in California, and then then I came here yeah, to Houston. Okay. And so what are the other positions you've had besides where you're at now? Product along the way. So I, I, I think we even called it marketing back there. Marketing engineer was what we called it, which is funny because I have no engineering degree. But I was involved in the design and development of, of products. And then um, I moved. We'd bought Schaefer. And so I moved over to into Houston and started working with the BOPs. So also marketing and sales. And then eventually got into rig design because I'd done work with the pipe handling that, that kind of around 97, I wrote a paper for the SBE on modern rig design and what was going on in it. So I'd become very, very much a designer of, of rig floors. And so I kind of wrote a paper explaining where we were going and why we were going this way in that design. And so got pulled back pretty, within three years, I got pulled back into rig design and packaging and uh, I did that for a while. And then I ran products once we merged uh, Varco and National Awa. So I was running all the product line managers uh, for for a number of years there. So so what are some of the real challenges you, you faced, I guess, joining Varco between now or then and now? The real challenges. I've always had different um, ideas than most people. So I've had, I've wanted to cause change to happen. I thought you were going to say trouble. <laughs> Some people would describe it that way. I think I've recently been told I'm not afraid to break class. So that probably does mean trouble. <laughs> I'm trying to learn to be better at that. So yeah, that, that probably all along was the thing. I always had a feeling of the way things should be. And so... As you're younger, similar to in the, in the architectural situation, you want things to be a certain way and learning how to make it happen and be patient has, has been the, the challenge and the learning over time is uh, to be, uh, it is patience, but, it, but it's also understanding that, that when you have a sense of how things are meant to be, that kind of has a purpose to it. And if you calm down, <laughs> it is where we're going, these things that you see. So for me, I'm very much a future kind of guy. I look ahead. And um, some of the things that I've perceived, like around 2000, 2001, myself working with Maersk, when a team of people on our side, but we really kind of broke through the rig package idea because we'd gone through Y2K, mm-hmm. which for some people, they won't know what that is. But basically, we thought <laughs> all computers were about to die when we turned the into the uh, the next millennium. And uh, because of some coding issue. And in our business, we got ready for it. Everyone was like really worried that all the computer systems were going to collapse. But what it did for me was made me understand 
this isn't going away. This is going the other direction. We're going to have more connected devices. And I started talking to Maersk about the future being that these devices are going to start communicating. They're going to start knowing what they're doing. They're going to start working together. And I did a presentation around then that pretty much describes products we're launching now. So that's uh, that's a long wait. Wow. So I still have that PowerPoint. It's very funny to look back at and go, I, I, we sold it on a future of software. And the reason for buying packages was we're going to need machines to be the same. We're gonna if they're gonna learn from each other, they're gonna have to be similar. And systems will come from companies, not single products. You have like a crystal ball. Yeah, I do, but you can't know about that. It's a secret. <laughs> no, everyone knows. No, but but I mean the thing is that I mean it doesn't mean that everything I think of is gonna happen. It just there's a lot of things that are happening around us. It's a very much observing. So same as going through Y2K. I, for years, I thought I did have some kind of insight. But when you go back and look at it, there was a lot of things that led to those conclusions. I'm, I'm just good at putting the pieces together as to what could be next, not necessarily what is next. And that drives me a lot. But that also frustrates almost everyone around me. Why is that? Because it doesn't help us eat. Uh, <laughs> so that's true. The, it's, it's, uh, I always talk to people about strategic thinking or long-term thinking. And people who are really good at it often will talk about, for in, in an American example, your kids here, and when they're younger, you have to save for college. Now, they might not go to college, but but you probably should save in case they want to. I told to. my kids, you better get scholarships. Exactly. Or you're so going to be other, in some debt. Either way. So strategic thinking, <laughs> trying to stay on the path. Don't, don't, don't have me go down trails because I can. <laughs> but the, the idea of a strategic person is, oh, well, we had better save for college. But someone who is too strategic and not thinking right would then save for college and forget to feed the children. Ah. Turns out they need food. So I think in my world, learning to have something relevant now has always been important. Something of value now that I can give to the company and be patient and have a lot of back burners where you keep things for their time. You must have a big stove. I have a lot. I used to keep books. I used to sit on planes and draw designs of machines that have, I mean, today, sometimes people come up with things and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. It's not like <laughs> anyone wants to believe that, you know, but it, there is, there's lots of books. I, I eventually learned to not just spend all my energy on the industry, but I used to, I used to, I still have those books sitting around. On a bookshelf? No, in a box. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> They're sketchbooks. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so if you had a piece of advice based off of your your time in the industry and in your life to give the audience, what would it be? I think it's find people around you who can help you. I think we all have a pretty bad view of ourselves. Not that we think badly of ourselves, but we don't view ourselves well it, between what's right and what's wrong in our lives. And so either people will swing one way or the other. They'll either think, I'm really, really good. Why is nobody recognizing me? Or they'll think, I'm really not good enough. I'm not going to speak up. And both of those, I think, and I've had to deal with both where I've dealt with pride issues or, or insecurities, but but having really good people around you who can tell you these things in a way where you know they're they're interested in your development and uh, creating yourself to be a person who can get feedback that can change everything. 
And I think everybody is is made to do great things, I believe. I think people have really great skills and abilities. And um, the saddest thing is to watch people do the wrong thing for a lot of their career, where they're not really made to do it, but they've found something that they'll get paid for. Yeah. Not popular. Not popular with older people my age, because they all, they all have suffered through. But if you find someone who's done what they love, I grew up in a world where we were told just do, do work, be yeah. glad to work. But I've really loved the journey. I've really loved the things that I've done and got to do. And it's because there are things I'm really bad at that I don't do. Because you've recognized them or have been told by those people? Mm, really early. Kind of sad. But they, it was always in a context of, but you can do these things. And you can do these things better than anyone else. So stop doing the other things. And so that was extremely re releasing. But I would not have known that of myself at all. I would have thought I just really need to push through and compete in these areas. And um, what I've had to do all my career is, is have people who are extremely strong in areas that I'm weak and build teams that, that work. So I've always done that, which has been fun. How can you be sure you've surrounded yourself by those types of people? And if you haven't, how do you find them? It's mm, a good question. I think you do know. I think you do know with people. Usually... You find people where I used to think I was like them, actually. I thought, hmm, there's someone who's like me. I could, I could learn from them. And it really wasn't that. It's that there are certain types that they will, they're willing to give you time and they're further on than you are. And there's just seen, there's people who are wired that way. I think you can tell it. I've always known the difference between someone who I work for, who wants me to do work to help them succeed and people who I have worked for or with who are interested in me succeeding. I can tell the difference. I think everyone can. When people are using you, you're aware of it. You're aware that they're just trying to get a job done. I don't know if it's, I don't mean it in a, they're being unkind. I think they're just trying to get the job done because they're not not gifted at understanding people, but there are people who are very gifted. Most most leaders in a company are extremely gifted at reading people. And so, uh, you know, varying degrees of how good or bad that is, but I've always come across people in my life where uh, there's a long list. There's a long list. I need to start hanging out with you then. <laughs> really? you <just laughs> no, I'm just kidding. People. I mean, I've got a great group of guys yeah, now, yeah, yeah. But, but but when I was working you know, for operators and stuff, it was, it was well, different. It's different. The environments are all different, especially if types are the same. It doesn't mean they have to be your boss or they have to be anything. They could, they could be, you know, someone who does something completely different than you. Um, they can be friends and family. They can be any of these people. It's not really about what they do. It's about, can they see you? And do they think of you in a positive light? Are they, some people will try and do damage because they've they're you know they think that's good for you and other people will be interested in growing you and I think the ones who are I, I mean I can think of I've got faces running through my mind the whole time I'm talking of this which means my career has been loaded with people who cared you know and not all of them were my boss or even worked in the company but but they they're interested in in the growth of other people good answer thanks <laughs> I knew you were. I knew you were wondering if that was a good answer or not. I'm like, what is the point system? Is it a ten good answer, <laughs> or is that like a three nice try answer? I don't know. I can't tell. I give you an eight. Oh, good. Phew. It's up there, <laughs> but it's not a nine or ten. So I'll keep working on keep it. Keep working on it. Yeah. 
What book influenced you the most? A single book. I'm I'm not a book reader, so I'll give you that, which uh, most people find hard to believe, or maybe easy to believe, depending on your view of me. There are different books at different times. Most of them have pictures, because <laughs> I'm not a book reader. So I love art, and there are art books that I would describe because of the lives of artists, because that's interesting to me. So, but influential. There was a great book. I kind of had a point in my career where I ran out of gas, where I'd uh, I tried to be in control of everything. It turned out it didn't work. Oh, it never does. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Even my boss was telling me all the way along. I think it was four years of him saying, you know, you're you're really burning the candle at both ends. You're spending your whole life on this. You have kids. You have a wife. Why are you not doing at the right thing at home? And I was like, I'm doing the right thing for the company. And um, there was a book at the end of that called Tuesdays with Maury. What? It's true. My boss was called Maury at the time. And not that it was like an amazing book in itself, but it did make me stop and think about life, which was really important for me at the time. So that was interesting. And then that's a weird one. And then, I don't know, lots of different books that, that are not a lot. There's 20 books. I made a list that I've read all the way through. Early Earlier, I did like Mikhail Bulgakov, who was one of Stalin's writers, you know, not a popular story, but... uh he was kind of making fun of Stalin and his writing, which I liked a lot. It was a very complex way of writing, and I enjoyed that. So I do like more complex and surprising books. Especially when they're making fun. Yeah, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I, do, I do make fun. I, I find myself doing that all the time. It's part of my Scottish heritage is to make fun of things. And believe and, it or not, I'm Scottish and Irish and I Cherokee. A lot of internal I was going to say Cherokee. I was going to add that in. Aren't you Scottish, Irish, Cherokee? <laughs> Scottish and Irish people don't say they're that. They're one thing. We don't do that mixing thing that, I'm just that saying, Americans do. A lot of conflict in here. There is. <laughs> let's let's not go off down that road. But yeah, yeah. So a lot of lot of sarcasm in my life, which I've had to learn in America to use less. Why? Because they think you mean it. Oh, I hate that. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's an ongoing journey. Oh. I was. I used to visit HR a lot. Let's just put it that way. I had to try and explain I was not trying to hurt anyone. And over time, I've learned not not as much as you would <laughs> you would think. But I'm learning to how to communicate better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I get you. Maybe it's because we're both genders. I'm not sure. Could be. Could be. <laughs> Reads. That means red. Ah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you did not know. <laughs> now you know. Write that one down. Rainbow star. <laughs> <laughs> What's your most used business tool? Most used business tool. I don't use any now. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, I'm you're trying the chief not, marketing I'm officer. Trying not to, actually, actually, LinkedIn probably from a tool, from a connectivity learning for our industry. It's been quite good. And so, yeah, it's been... It's been an interesting tool for me to connect with people. I didn't think to find people. When I started it and I realized you could type in all the companies that don't exist anymore that got bought and you find all your old friends from the industry and you find out where they went and what they're doing. So initially I just had this fascination with where did everyone go? And I couldn't track before. So it caused me to be a heavy user. And then as I was traveling and I would put things out, people who I knew well would know where I was. 
and what I was doing. So I got this idea that this thing is working. So yeah, I use it a lot more than most. Maybe I'm ill that way. Um, I have two kids in their 20s who grew up with social media and a son who, that's his job. So he's an entertainer on social media. So that caused me to track my children more, which makes me definitely for my age group a way heavier user than most. What's the most you, besides finding out where everybody went, sounds pretty stalkerish to me. But it is. Um, <laughs> it's kind of creepy. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> like I said, this is honest. a gender thing. It's just honest. <laughs> Everyone else, they're just pretending they're not doing it. Oh, I'm not. I'm not, no, not no, pretending. Not. No. I, I stalk everyone. <laughs> exactly. It's great. I mean, when you meet with someone and you can know, particularly if you forget, you can have path, crossed paths with someone and you didn't know it. So I'll see they worked on a particular project and I'll go, huh, I was there. So when I meet them, I'm like, hey, you were on Thunder Horse. I was on Thunder Horse. You know, and you have that that connection to talk about. So I like The Noble that. platform? Is that a noble? Well, it's BP, but probably Noble's running it. Yeah, a semi-platform. Anyway, dad, I think my dad's out there. Should we call him? Do you have a phone a friend? On this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, what you doing? <laughs> I should just have him on the show to talk you about should, that. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. I originally had a different name, Thunderhorse, but I could tell you lots. My dad still wears his Thunderhorse uh, polo shirt. Oh, really? He's very proud of it. Well, every time we have a logo change, he gains a lot of shirts. <laughs> Gives him a lot to talk about Free clothes, when he's yay. golfing. <laughs> like, oh, do you work for Varco? No, but my son worked for Varco. Yeah, my, my dad's got a Bullwinkle hat mm. in the Shell platform. So There you go. Oh. Or not Shell anymore, it's Fieldwood. There you go. Yeah. If there's a part of LinkedIn, because I, I, I get a little frustrated with myself, especially, uh, and it's gotten better since Microsoft bought it. Mm, it's not, yeah, I understand. So you were showing me some posts earlier. Is that like the big, th- biggest thing is being able to share? Coverage is interesting. So I do, I actually will change what I write and look at what works, what doesn't work. So I'm, I am interested by what gets out the most. So a good post mm-hmm. for me is about forty to 45,000 person reach. Goodness. And that to me is a bargain compared to a magazine ad. Did I just say that out loud? I did. Mm-hmm. That is a bargain. And it's reaching more people than I know who saw it. So I get to see exactly the, the who's reading it. By company, it. not necessarily. Yeah, big bag. Yeah. Like this is. Here's or the, their here's role. The, correct. So, so that's it, which is enough. You know, so I have yeah. people who work social media and they're all like, oh, LinkedIn is the worst. You don't even know the color of their hair or their eyes. And I'm like, yeah, awesome. Like, <laughs> Like, I need that information. I'm not selling shampoo here. (laughs) (laughs) Or or colored contacts. You know, but that's when you're in the social media space, you get into this. Like, how much can you know? And it's like, how much do you need to know? I don't need to know much. No. I need to know roughly what kind of jobs and what kind of companies and what kind of reach. And that's enough. And um, LinkedIn's been good for that. And our industry uses it more than anything. It's a very good, what I would call social, not social platform. Yeah, it's either that or Twitter. Seem to be the most maybe. I don't know. It's I never use Twitter. And- I just I post everything off my LinkedIn onto Twitter, and I never check. Which I have a relative who writes to me on Twitter, and every six months I find out. <laughs> <laughs> 
So don't write to me on Twitter. That's not going to work. <laughs> well, I've just gotten into Twitter. Um, just, yeah, it's a I, thing. Yeah, it's as I, if there's a president who uses it somewhere. Oh, no. I No. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> We're not uh, talking about that. Uh, uh, no, Move not along. The, yeah. Move along. Nothing happening uh, here. <laughs> 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 so who would you say is your most respected competitor? Who is my most respected competitor? Hmm. I would probably, so I, you know, I like this whole frenemy thing that happens in our industry. So I'm, I'm often good friends with someone who competes with me, particularly if I respect them. So the, the, we just, uh, I used to really enjoy Walt Aldred, who was, you know, we were, we worked well together with Slumberger and we also competed on, on various levels, but, but there was a sense of egging on that I really liked. Like we were, we were more interested that our technologies and our companies would be pushed by each other. That's fun. It, it was it, fun. Makes it fun, yeah. And we, I mean, you know, he's very similar to me in some ways that we we both enjoy art, so we would, you know, share that. But be good friends and also, you know, not do anything, you know, that would be inappropriate and sharing, but just enough to say, you know, to push each other on. So particularly in automation, I don't think we'd be here today if we didn't have each other as friends and as competitors. And it made, it made the industry move. It moved the needle for, for how much automation we're getting now. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, that was us, <laughs> secretly. No, but I mean, it, it did. It pushed. The, I mean, we we did stuff, and I would tell him, when I got more funding than him, he was all upset about it and started <laughs> make, trying to get more funding in his group. And, you know, we, we our companies have done good things. Yes. Competing with each other. I love competition. And so I think having people doing really good competitive work makes makes me happy. And it makes me very nervous every day, which is a good feeling. Yeah. Kind of remember you're alive. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to remember you're alive. <laughs> yeah. I find particularly with breathing, that's something to remember. <laughs> <laughs> was that sarcastic? <laughs> no, not, what was not that? at all. No. I don't know. It was informational. For those of you who decided you, you to stop You just took the words breathing. out of my mouth is all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep breathing, everybody. That's my <laughs> advice. Write that one down. <laughs> it's good to know you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard the Mr. Rogers uh, theme song in my head. I don't even know what that is. It's a I'm from good another country. Few, I know, but I just... <laughs> no, I that, do that, that happens constantly. It's like I go into a... I hear somebody say a piece of something and then a song starts playing in my head and I'm like, wow. shut it off, Just shut it off. Don't sing it. Yeah. I mean, unless you're I'm, at I'm a karaoke mediocre. bar, then yeah, do sing it. Yeah, that was off. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back All to right. the things people want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> we hope it's this. But <laughs> it could be. You <laughs> never know. Be. Right. What's your most important lesson learned from all of this? What is my most important lesson learned from, I guess you mean from all of my career? Your career, your personal life, both <laughs> really? of them together. Mm, time in prison. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not talking about that. Okay. There was no time in prison, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it all too seriously. That's very fitting. Yeah, I think it's good to, I think the whole having fun thing at work is about the most important thing you can learn. And it's kind of weird because it looks really flippant because we all have things to do and we've got serious work that we do. But um, if you're never laughing, a bit too serious. 
And I've learned around the world, everybody likes to laugh. And That's a true story. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. I've tested it <laughs> to the edge a number of times where people have looked at me. I see, we did this really big contract once, and I remember all of my older management looking at me going, have you been drinking? Are you Are you okay? <laughs> But I'm like, look at the customer. They're laughing. This is okay. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of drinking. <laughs> yeah. We're going to stop for an alcohol break. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think of all things, you can really lose track of everything. If you get too too tied into work, work is good. You should enjoy it. But, but if you're not enjoying life and you're not having fun at work, you probably need to do something else. I'm having fun at work. When? Right now. Really? Yeah, this is You're getting paid for this? Yeah. I am not. (laughs) (laughs) I need to leave. I'm going to go back and do something. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're getting your story out. Is that what I'm doing? Okay, good. Yeah. 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 Helping other people. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's actually what this is all. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Really. What's your favorite podcast? Well... I have to say the NOV podcast because, you know. Oh, because you're getting paid. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks thanks for bringing that up. No, I love, actually, I love, uh, we we have a guy who does the podcast, Michael Gaines. And, and, you know, in in careers and with people, when you find people, get people into what they truly love and are great at, it's a great feeling. So for me, getting Michael to do podcasts was a lot to do with really making him alive at, at what he can do well, better than anybody else. And so it's it's a very personal thing. So yeah, I do. I really enjoy every episode. Now it just launched in iTunes, but it it's actually started out as an internal yeah. show, right? We started internally. We had talked about podcasts, but I think it wasn't until I realized that this is this is Michael. This is, you know, this is really in his life, he'd done voiceover stuff, which we 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 didn't. Which he's got a great voice, for. right? So he had a microphone on his desk, like some award that he'd won, you know, waiting for the question. <laughs> he just saw there and go, "I know you want me to ask because <laughs> it's on your desk." <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and so he's he's done a bunch of different voiceover stuff, and so of course, in his mind, like, no, I'm I'm an engineer, product line guy. This is what I do. But it's this is what you love over here, you know. So, so he, uh, I really get a lot of personal enjoyment out of seeing him shine in his space. Yeah, I remember at the shrimp boil last March when our entire group was there, him running around with his microphone. Yeah, and I'm like, why do you have a dead rabbit on a on your <laughs> recorder, man? It, it was just funny watching yeah. him run around with it. And he's, uh, he's definitely having the most fun he's ever had at his job. So. Good. Maybe maybe he'll stick around then, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's his his job title now is the voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's his job title. I'm gonna start. It. I'm gonna start. That, I'm gonna change his contact information in you my should. phone That's to what the voice. Says. It says it on his card, <laughs> and then he sits next to our uh, corporate storyteller. So I think he got the idea there. He's like, "Hey, like, why don't you call yourself the voice?" <laughs> so yeah, you like that. It's what he is. He's yeah. great. Yeah, he really is. So so thanks for showing up. I really appreciate, you know, you accepting my invite and then actually showing up. Yeah, so. that was the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> accepting the invite was pretty easy. Yeah. yeah it didn't take actually showing up. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite quite the drive. Where where Which office are you at? 
That's not a fair question. Because <laughs> it doesn't... There's two. You're at all of them? No. No, my team's at a different office than the corporate office. So I kind of hide out there a lot of time because uh. that's where the meetings are. And so, yeah, I do. I have two offices, but I really spend most of my time around my team. Good. That's that's how it's supposed to be. That's the way I think. Great. So if people want to reach out to you or learn more about NOV, where should they go? Well, we have a website, but uh, I, if you want to know more about me or talk to me, um, LinkedIn's always good. I was going to guess that. Thanks. I already <laughs> gave you the answer earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's always email or Twitter. I would suggest Twitter. <laughs> if you think, hey, I really need to talk to this guy, but you're kind of weird, Twitter. <laughs> If you're, if you're interesting, LinkedIn. I'm going to send good. you a message later. You should, because I won't see it for a while. Yeah. And when I do, I'll laugh. I go, oh, yeah. I hope my, By the way. Hope my cousin doesn't listen to this. He doesn't know I'm ignoring him, not on purpose. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.